0: Hello, welcome to Biblia Schola, a podcast where we discuss various biblical topics and try to give you a little bit of Sunday school for whatever day of the week you're listening to us on. Today, my co host and I will be looking at the judgments of God. Specifically, we'll be looking at the book of Leviticus and what God says there as we reflect on the various current events in our world. Please join us for our discussion. Hi, I'm Matt Turbos. I'm the pastor of a small church in a town called Prattsburg. I've been pastoring in August for six years. I got my bachelor's at Davis Bible College, and I got my master's at Northeastern, which is affiliated with Roberts Wesleyan. Uh, Adrian.
1: Yeah, I'm Pastor Adrian Essigman, uh, currently the pastor of Osmer Baptist Church. Uh, the, the Lord is blessed. I am Matt's middle-aged pastor friend. I've been in the ministry for about 25 years now as a youth pastor, and the last 20 at Austinburg. I was at Southwego Bible Church before that. Um, and I am so happy to be here with you and with Matt here. And uh, Matt called me up and said, hey, he said, with this whole thing going on, he said, I, I kind of want a Sunday school feel to this. And he's like, would you mind doing a podcast with me? I, I got it all messed up. Told my son we were doing a live stream. He kind of panicked. He's like, oh, dad, I'm not sure if we have the technology for that. He, anyway, he came back and said, oh, dad, you're doing a podcast. He's like, we're going to be fine. So here I am. His, uh, I may be a Gen Xer, but I, uh, I'm kind of like a boomer in the areas of technology sometimes. But Matt, I am here, and I'm so happy to be with you today.
0: Yeah, so... Um... We're going to be talking about the judgments of God. Um, we're not sure quite how far, how far we'll get into our discussion, but uh, hopefully uh, at the end of this, you guys will have a little bit better understanding of things. Um, and I thought it would be good to start off by reading Leviticus. And so we're going to be in Leviticus chapter 26 and starting in the 14th verse.
1: Wait, Matt, would you mind if we backed up to verse one? There's some I know I know why you want to do that. And I don't blame you. I mean it, but I really think because of what's going on, today, we should start earlier in the text. Is that all right?
0: Yeah. Hey, that's all right. Uh, it's always important to get the full context of things. Um, so uh, I'll go ahead and start at uh, verse one uh, for those that would like to follow along. Again, we're going to be in Leviticus 26, verse 1, and I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version. Uh, Please join me as I read the word. You shall not make idols for yourselves, or erect an image or pillar, and you shall not set up a figured stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord.
1: If you walk in my Matt, steps, could I? Could I? And I promise yes. you, I won't stop you again for a while. I, I would like to share something really quick here. I think be so important for people today. Just, I will not be long. I don't think. So, okay. just so you know, a lot of times our eyes, our 2020 American eyes, just kind of, uh, you know, just kind of jump over verse one, jump over verse two, and, and I, I know that's not Matt's issue here, but I want to make sure everyone understands what the Bible is saying. So I realized today you don't have a Baal image in your front yard. Uh, Matt doesn't have any neighbors with an Ashara pole or however you want to pronounce that. Um, the, uh, The Temple of Diana, the Ephesians, is not a big deal. Although I guess paganism is making a comeback, but it's still kind of small, I guess. Anyway, my point is, though, in America, we do have false gods just like this. Um, real quickly, Jesus says in Matthew, you cannot serve God in money. And I would say in the United States, we really, really, really struggle with serving money. You might say, well, I don't serve money, pastor. I'm poor. It doesn't matter whether you're poor or rich. Serving money is the idea that your life is dictated by money, not the things of the Lord. So in other words, well, I'd like to go to church and I will someday, but I've got too many other things I've got to do. The other thing is in second Timothy three, the Bible says, "Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God." And again, this is an idol. The idol of pleasure and the idol of money are two things. And notice the next verse. Now, I'm not going to get into Sabbath unless Matt really wants to. Right now, that's a whole big topic. Maybe best handled another time. I think we could all agree there's some kind of day of rest principle. How people choose to do that, you know, it's between them and Jesus, I guess. But I think everyone would agree that the Bible is pretty clear about going to the Lord's house. Reverence for my sanctuary. I mean, even as a New Testament person, you got Hebrews 10. Matt, is that 26 about not forsaking the assembly? I'm trying to think off the top. Of my head. Is it uh, 25? I think it's maybe 25 or 26. Anyway, one of them. so I, I don't mean to interrupt Matt here. But I just want to tell you, as we approach this passage, don't approach it as a bored third party looking at the failures of other people. I am telling you, in the United States today, churches are dying left and right. Church attendance across the board is down uh, before COVID-19. And personally, I don't think it's a coincidence that because of this, we have to shut our doors. I think God's trying to get our attention. That's my opinion. Uh, It's only my opinion. Anyway, so as we read these verses, I want you to understand this is just as relevant for you as an American in 2020 as it is, I understand the ramifications of the people that he is talking to, the covenant relationship he has with them, the land blessings and stuff. I'm not trying to instantly take Israel and turn it into the Church of America in 2020. But I'm just saying this is relevant for me and you.
0: I think you're right. And, and I would like to stress again that it's important to realize that what God's talking about in this passage is directed towards Israel, towards the people of God. That's true. And and, and so there's really kind of a uh, importance to realize that these aren't even unbelievers in a sense um, that I think sometimes we, we might read some of this and want to say, well, that's not us. That's not the church. And one thing that's, Perhaps we don't like to omit is sometimes we're more like Israel in our belief than we'd like to omit with kind of that ups and downs. Um, but okay, let me go ahead and continue. Yeah, go I, think ahead. I, I think I stopped at verse two. Um,
1: yeah, and, and, and please read verse three and then forgive me one more time for interrupting and then I think I'll shut my mouth what you read till I get to verse 14. Okay. Promise. All right.
0: Uh, if you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then yeah. I will
1: give you your... No, it's your... okay. Real real quick, I, I yeah. missed verse 3 in this whole equation. You know, I love Matt's point about this is not talking... I mean, technically, this is to all the earth. It's God's word. But it's talking to people that are following the Lord, people that are saved individuals uh, in an Old Testament capacity in this case. And my point is, verse 1... basically no other gods before me. Stop worshiping other things. I need to be first place in your life. Uh, You need not to be, uh, you know, giving your time and treasure to other ideas. Two, be in my house. And three is so important too. The Pharisees were in God's sanctuary and they thought they didn't have idols. Now, I, I would say they did have idols. They just didn't realize it. But if you follow my decrees and are careful of my commands. And then I think we'll notice that we pretty much just go right into God trying to call people back to himself. I don't think the Bible really complicated. It starts in Genesis. God wants to fellowship with us. God fellowshiped with us in the garden long. Well, I don't know how long it was before they ate the fruit. But he was having regular fellowship with them before we needed Jesus to come die for our sins. God made a way for us to fellowship with him. He wants to spend time with us. He loves us. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. And so it's interesting that really as complicated as we make God in the Bible, sometimes this passage makes it really simple. And judgment in this passage is really simple. God's like, yep, you're not taking me seriously. Uh, You need to be in my house. You need to take time aside for me. And you need to actually obey me. You don't just need to read the Bible and go, oh, that's awesome, and go out and do whatever you want to do. And now Matt is going to read a lot of different things, bad things that God is going to bring on us to get us back to verses 1, 2, and 3. All right, Matt, go ahead. All right. Um,
0: ver- okay. Uh, so I guess I'm going to go right to verse 4 again. Yep. We'll see if Adrian interrupts me. I,
1: I will not. Go
0: ahead. Then I will give you your rains and your seasons, and the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last to the time of the great harvest, and the great harvest shall last to the time of the... uh, Sorry, I lost my place. Shall last to the time for sowing, and you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land securely. I'll give you peace in the land, and you shall lie lie down, and none shall make you afraid, and I will... Remove harmful beasts from the land, and the sword shall not go through your land. You shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall chase ten thousand, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. I will turn to you and make you fruitful and multiply you, and will confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat old stores long kept, and you shall clear out the old to make way for the new. I will make my dwelling among you and my soul shall not abhor you and I will walk among you and be and will be your God and you shall mm. be my people. Amen. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and you shall not be their slaves. And I have broken the bars of the yoke and made you walk erect. Mm. All right. So real quick before I jump into the next part. So this beginning part is God saying to the people of Israel, if you do things, uh in the way in which the the instructions, the law that has been laid out before this passage, in which there's still more laws that God is going to give, things will go well for you. Uh, before we move on, I think we should also be careful to not apply this too individualistically. And what I mean is sometimes there's a temptation to say, look at, everything that God promises, if we obey him and, and our life is going to be pleasant and sweet and wonderful. And life isn't always like that. Um, I, I think we have to always realize that there are other things going on, uh, trials and, and whatnot. Um, and that's a whole nother discussion. I just don't want us to No, no. Actually, to
1: actually, I think Matt, that's a great, a great thing to point out because I know we were talking a little bit about this when you pitched this podcast to me, but Job would be a great example of someone living an extremely godly life in Old Testament times. And, you know, and despite that, uh, Satan's like, well, the only reason Job follows you is because you're so good to him. Take away his goodness and he's going to hate you. And so God does. I mean, if you think about it, I think fire comes down from heaven and consumes some of his livestock, I mean, you can see why his three friends were like, "Man, God has it in for you. What did you do?" You know, the wind was it the the windstorm or whatever kills all of his kids. I mean, they were (laughs) sure. And and so, no, I think it's an apt point that uh, just because we're following God doesn't mean God's going to bring things into our lives to test us to test our love for Him. Yeah. I think that's an excellent point. And so we shouldn't be surprised when bad things do happen to us. Right. All right. So let's go ahead and jump to verse 14
0: now. Um, And so now we're getting into the punishments. And so God begins this very importantly. So I think you should really pay attention to the 14 and 15. Yeah. Uh, But if you will not listen to me and will not do all these commandments, if you spurn my statutes and if your soul abhor my rule so that you will not do all my commandments, but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will visit you with panic, with wasting disease and fever that consumes the eye and make the heart ache. And you shall sow, sow your seed in vain for your enemy shall eat it. I will set my face against you, and you shall be struck down before your enemies. Those who hate you shall rule over you, and, and you shall flee when none pursue you. And if in spite of this you will not listen to me, then I will discipline you again, sevenfold for your sins. And I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze, And your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield its increase, and the trees of the land shall not yield their fruit. Then, if you walk contrary to me and will not listen to me, I will continue striking you sevenfold for your sins, and I will let loose the wild beast against you, which shall bereave you of your children and destroy your livestock and make you few in number, so that your roads shall be deserted. And if by discipline you are not turned to me. But walk contrary to me, then I will also walk contrary to you. And I myself will strike you sevenfold for your sins. And I will bring a sword upon you that shall execute vengeance for the covenant. And if you gather within your cities, I will send pestilence among you, and you shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. When I break your supply of bread, ten women shall break your bread in a single oven, and you shall dole out your bread again by weight, and you shall eat and not be satisfied. In sput... If in spite of this you will not listen to me but walk contrary to me, then I will walk contrary to you in fury, and I myself will discipline you sevenfold for your sins. Here's a fun little verse. You shall eat the flesh of your sons, and you shall eat the flesh of your daughters. Hmm. And I will destroy your high places and cut down your incense altars and cast your dead bodies upon the dead bodies of your idols, and my soul will abhor you. And I will lay your cities waste and will make your sanctuaries desolate. And I will smell not your pleasing aromas. And I myself will devastate the land so that your enemies who settle in it shall be appalled at it. And I will scatter you among the nations and will unsheath the sword after you. And your land shall be a desolation and your city shall be a waste. Then the land shall enjoy its Sabbath as long as it lies desolate while you are in your enemy's land then the land shall rest and enjoy its sabbath as long as it lies desolate it shall have rest the rest that it did not have on your sabbath when you were
1: dwelling in it Matt can I interrupt you for a second here Yeah so you might be aware of this you I know you are Matt but our our listener may or may not be aware of this um when it says enjoy its sabbath um the and Matt might correct me here I didn't I didn't think to prep for this part but uh, basically uh, the people of Israel, uh, every seven years, were supposed to not work uh, their land. Uh, that would be a big step of faith on their part. Um, and God said, I'll take care of you. I'll bless you. They didn't have enough faith to do that, apparently. And so it's interesting, when they went into captivity, God goes, well, your land's going to rust for all the times you didn't do that. Yeah. Matt is not suggesting, we are not suggesting there is some kind of direct correlation between this and the church. Uh, again, this, as Matt said, this is aimed at uh, people of Israel in an Old Testament covenant and things like that. But I, I will say, believer, uh, and, and again, this isn't, dr- this is only from the idea of the passage. I'm not pulling this directly from the words here. But just like they didn't have the faith to take a year and rest and rely on God. How many people can't take a little time out of their schedule to serve or worship God or even read their Bibles? Uh, People are like, yeah, well, I'd really like to do that. But you don't understand how busy I am. And I think God gets tired of that excuse. Because when we tell the Lord how busy we are, we're only busy about things that aren't going to matter in eternity. I mean, the Lord wants us to rejoice. He gave us work to do. He gave us a life. Otherwise, we'd all be in heaven just singing songs to him. I mean, there's a reason we're here. But uh, I don't think we're that much different from the people of Israel. They struggle to have faith in this area. I think in America, we struggle to have faith that serving God's really worth it and that reading the Bible is really worth it. And even going to church, that that's really worth our time. I think that's reflected in just what we're seeing across the board before this whole thing hit.
0: The the other thing I think should be realized with the Sabbath and and the rest is there was also connected to it uh, the jubilees. Oh yeah, please bring
1: that, uh, that out. Not,
0: that that it's not just about um, having rest and and letting the land lie fallow, but there were other things connected to it. Like in in ancient Israel, ultimately that land belonged to God. That's true. But he he ha- he had provision in it that if uh, for instance, Adrian here was rig- really struggling and he couldn't meet ends meet. And he said to me, Matt, can, can you buy my land for a little bit or can I work for you in a, in, for, for a little bit that I would say, sure. And if he hadn't paid off that debt uh, by the time that that year of Jubilee came, I was supposed to forgive him of that debt as commanded by God that there was a sort of system in place in which God wanted to um, make sure that in some ways people weren't forced in a desperate uh, economic situation, that um, there wasn't a a overbearing of rich versus poor, that God really was concerned with uh, all areas of society. Um, and, And that's something I think and, and not to get too harsh on the church, but I'm going to be a little harsh here, that I think we kind of forget that we we don't like to talk about those passages sometimes that tell us to care for the poor or the widow or the, uh, the stranger in the land. But the Old Testament is filled with those passages saying we've got to do this, and just so you don't think it's just the Old Testament, but it appears in the New Testament time and time again, so that James, for instance, says, what is true religion except for taking care of the orphan and the widow? Um, there's a lot connected to the fact that the people of Israel did not do this. How how many years were they in exile for?
1: Oh, 70 years, right? Am I right about that?
0: Yeah, yep, 70 years. So 70 years worth of not obeying this command of God to um, I think really show mercy and and not greed. Um, that's not to say no one practiced it, but as a whole, the nation did not.
1: No, it's true. In fact, um, and I don't have the text in Jeremiah in front of me. I'm pretty sure there's a temporary repentance in Jeremiah of this very thing. And they let the slaves go. And then uh, they change their minds. (laughs) They all take them back. And God is even more displeased with them. I know in Nehemiah, they're back in the land. And it says, uh, basically, in Nehemiah 5, uh, now, again, this isn't necessarily the year of Jubilee here, but it's the same idea Matt's talking about. The poor, the people are like, we're, we're mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, our homes to get grain during the famine. We've had to borrow money to pay the king's tax. Uh, And we're getting basically crushed. They weren't supposed to use usury. They weren't supposed to do any of this stuff. And they're basically the richer people in their culture. were taking advantage. I want to be careful because, you know, both sides, Democrat and Republican, try to uh, take the Bible as their own. And both sides uh, really shouldn't. There are definitely scriptural errors. Both sides commit. And it's beyond the scope of probably this podcast to talk about all the mistakes uh made in both areas. But you know, the interesting thing I, I will say briefly, uh, some people think that God's against rich people. Not true. First Timothy chapter six, God talks about, hey, rich person, don't be high-minded and use the money I've given you to, to, you know, take an interest in people that are under you. Take an interest in, in others. Don't hoard your money, you know, be generous. Uh you know, I, I think about a real popular story. I know it's a secular story, but it's the Christmas Carol. And what makes that story so moving is, you know, Scrooge in the story, again, I got to realize this isn't scripture, is all just cares about himself, uh, just he doesn't really care about his employee, doesn't care about anything. And by the end of the story, I mean, Scrooge can't make everything right in his whole city. I mean, he doesn't have enough money or ability to do that, but he begins to take an interest in his employee, Bob Cratchit, and his family, what happens uh, just in this community. And I, that's really what God wants. Even in uh, people look at the early church, they're like, oh, God teaches communism. It's not communism. Those people were doing that out of, the, out of their own free will. Um, but what's interesting is the church was so united and just loved each other so much. I mean, if you had a brother who couldn't get to work, you'd probably be like, uh, I mean, I'm talking about a blood relative. I would assume you'd be like, well, man, what can I do to help you do that? And that's how the church felt about each other. So Matt's right in that, the needs of other people at church, the needs of the community. As believers, we cannot possibly meet them all. And, and again, Democrat and Republican have solutions that sometimes I think are anti-biblical. And, uh, and sometimes it's very too, oh, you don't care about poor people. Well, sometimes, um, you know, your solution is anti-biblical. It's not, give you an example on the other side of the coin, California has, I need to be careful. Here. Just really quick. California is uh, made shoplifting up to $900 less of a crime. Bible says, poor rich, thou shalt not steal. Um, so in trying to maybe help the poor out or be more merciful, they've actually gone against what God said. So anyway, I guess I'm starting to get off topic here. but
0: oh, that's okay. Um, oh, where did we leave off? I- I'm going to go ahead and jump down to 40. Uh, If I I left some of the verses off, that's okay. It just basically, the people are going to eventually go into exile. Uh, So uh, starting now again at verse 40. But if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers in their treachery that they committed against me, and also in walking contrary to me, so that I walked contrary to them and brought them into the land of their enemies, if then their uncircumcised heart is humbled, and they make amends for their iniquity. Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob. I will remember my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham. And I will remember the land. But the land shall be abandoned by them and enjoy its Sabbath while it lies desolate without them. And they shall make amends for their iniquity because they spurned my rules and their sore, and their soul abhorred my statutes. Yet for all that when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not spurn them, neither will I abhor them so as to destroy them utterly and break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their God. Mm. But I will for their sake remember the covenant with their forefathers whom I brought out of the land of Egypt and the sight of the nations that I might be their God. I am the Lord. These are the statutes and rules of the law that the Lord made between himself and the people of Israel through Moses on Mount Sinai. All right. So that's that, 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 as you can tell, is quite the passage. Um, that we're, I, I think, we've even just basically scratched some of it. Um, but it, it's, it's, I think, a very key passage in understanding the way in which God and, and the reasons in which God does something of judgment.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, you look at the fear in this passage. Uh, fear was stressed a few times. Um, you look at, uh, it even mentions diseases, fever, terror, um, mentions financial difficulty. I mean, if you think about this current crisis, people are scared to death of either the disease itself or, um, or the financial ramifications of the disease. And, uh, and I, I, it seems to be in line with, and again, I'm, I'm not a prophet. I'm not telling you that for sure this is a judgment from God, but it would not surprise me. Um, I think God's trying to get our attention. And,
0: you know, I think that's important to realize the idea of God trying to get attention, because if you pay attention to that passage, that's a major part of it. Uh, You're supposed to read that each of these things is getting progressively worse because God is saying to the people, you, you you've not followed me. That's not good. And in other passages connected to this passage, God says that he'll do things like send prophets and and other minor warnings. And if they won't listen, well, it gets worse. And uh, if they continue to not listen, it goes from um, we go from, you know, uh, slight illnesses and a slight famine and defeat in battle to. Uh, worse conditions with drought and harvest, even worse with with harmful animals and then uh, to to all out war and, and all out pestilence and all out famine, and then you get to the point in uh, around twenty seven and whatnot where it, it goes to just even the destruction of Jerusalem. Not that he uses Jerusalem in that passage, but from what we know, of the fulfillment of these prophecies, uh, Jerusalem and the capital of the northern kingdom, Israel, are both destroyed and the people uh, taken right from the land.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's really interesting whether we're talking like Leviticus to people that were just brought out of slavery or 2020 American Christians who claim that we have been brought out of slavery as well, the slavery of sin and Satan. And to the kingdom of his dear son, you know what's interesting is it still, still, still boils down to the simple fact of, are we walking with Christ? I mean, it's it's so funny. You can boil down most of that passage is God saying, So if you get away from me, I'm gonna bring you back to myself, and here's what I'm gonna do. And as you have so eloquently brought out, it like keeps ramping up but not because God wants to hurt the people. In fact, I think toward the end, he actually affirms the fact they have a covenant relationship. Uh, He hasn't forgotten that, but he's trying to bring them back. He has no desire to do all of this. He is trying to bring them back in fellowship with him. Um, I think of uh, Cain and Abel. I know that sounds odd, (laughs) but you know, what's interesting is it's the first time in the Bible Well, I I don't know. Maybe you want to argue it's not the first time. But it's like we see two men at worship in the beginning of Genesis chapter 4. We see two men at worship. Uh, Cain thinks it's logical to bring his fruits and vegetables. Abel brings a lamb from his flock. I know this is a little controversial here. Matt, if you want to shoot it down in a second, feel free to do so. Um, But uh, I don't think there's much doubt. Some of my friends will say, well, now, Adrian, come on. Uh, The Bible doesn't tell us specifically that God demanded a blood sacrifice and all this stuff. Well, I think just because it's not there doesn't mean it's not implied, especially because like in 1 John 3.12, this is King James here, not as Cain, who is of the evil one, which means he wasn't even saved, and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? That's a great question. Uh, The Old Testament really, we can infer, but why did he? Well, because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Well, we don't know a whole lot about Cain and Abel. We just know one thing. We know that Abel was worshiping God with a blood sacrifice and Cain was sacrificing his fruits and vegetables. Now, I've got friends who will bring out in the Levit- you know in, in the Jewish system, there yeah. were some sacrifices that involved food. And I understand that. But I, I think no one could deny the primary thrust of the Old Testament is something innocent dies for something guilty to the point where in John one twelve, John the Baptist points to Jesus Christ and says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. In context of his day, Jewish people understood what a sacrifice was. They did it all the time. I'm not going to read it. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Because you keep... I I, I will be honest here. I I,
0: I disagree with you slightly in that passage. Um, Because there is the Leviticus thing, but... Um, at the end of the day, somehow his worship wasn't good enough. No like, Yeah, because no God how you says that. that.
1: God says, Cain, He mm-hmm. says, you need to do right because Cain wasn't doing mm-hmm. right. And God says, you need to do right. right. And uh, yeah, his worship. Oh. And you know what's interesting today, Matt? American society wants to worship God on their own terms. If I don't want to go to church, right. if I don't want to read the Bible, that's my business. If I want to say that this is right, and I even get a lot of times from people, well, they kind of just take the popular opinion of their experts or the top of their party or their uh, yeah, well, whoever, and that's what they base all their opinions on. I've even been told, well, how can you argue with scientists? How can you argue this? How can you argue with that? You know, and I, I keep coming back to the Bible and it kind of frustrates them. They're like, well, but it's really simple. In Genesis 4, the difference between Cain and Abel, and, and again, you know, I realized, I, I felt we might be a little different here, but the basic thing, you're right, it's the worship is the focus, uh, and Cain's, uh, Abel's considered righteous, and I think in this passage, I love the fact you brought out the Leviticus, we're only talking to God's people here, we're not talking to the Egyptians, we're not talking to uh-huh. the Assyrians or the Babylonians, and God is telling his people, look, this is why these things are happening to you. You are ignoring me. And it's like God's like telling them. Because God says at one point, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. God's like, sure, you bring me up a lot. And one more thing, and I'll let you jump right. in here. I know Elijah says... How long are you going to halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, why don't you worship him? But if Baal's God. In other words, the people still kind of would have said, oh, yeah, I follow Yahweh or Jehovah, however they would have expressed that. That's a whole other can of worms, mm-hmm. consonants in Hebrew. I'm sure you're a better versed than that than I am. But anyway, the bottom line is they're like, um, uh, he's like, how long are you going to serve the God of the Bible? You're going to serve a different God? But you kind of do both. Right. And I think that's where we are as Americans. It's not that American Christians aren't trying, aren't maybe haven't accepted Christ, but they're just they're trying to serve both the world and the Lord. And I really think God is like enough yeah. of this. You need to make a decision here. Well, and, and that that's a really good
0: point to point out because that that was a major problem with Israel is uh, to use a somewhat fancy term syncretism. They they. They wanted Yahweh, they wanted the God of the Bible when things were good, and, and or if things were really desperate, then they included him with all the other gods, but they, they, they turned to Baal and Asherah, and, and if, for those that don't know, the God Baal was a, 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 the, the God of the harvest, the God of fertility. He, he was, in many ways, they were saying, okay, if we're going to make it through another year, we're going to rely on Baal. And when we ourselves might not rely on bail, how often do we say, well, I'm going to rely on this system or that system of money or, or this advisor um, instead of trusting in God and praying and all of that. Not saying that we shouldn't sometimes have certain things in place, but if our reliance is more on the storing up of goods, although as Christ points out in, in the New Testament, um, those goods might not be there as long as we think because moth and rust destroys. Um, but if our reliance is on that instead of God, we, 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 and we aren't saying we don't believe in God, but we, we need this too. We're not that far different from Israel.
1: No, we're, we're not. In fact, Christ says in Luke twelve fifteen, then he said, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And I, and I think, we, like you say, we're not worshipping Baal, but we're kind of worshipping the spirit of Baal. What's interesting about Baal uh-huh. is, and I, I know this is going to get a little controversial. I don't think you're going to disagree with me. Maybe you will. But they, uh, Baal worshipped a lot of pagan deities. Uh, they would kill their children. Uh, and uh, and they did that for financial. Uh-huh. They just didn't do that for no reason. They believed it would help them financially. I don't see a lot of difference. Yeah, I don't see a difference between that and what's going on in America today. The big argument for abortion is, well, well, look, they, they just can't take care of these kids. You know, they, they have their whole life in front of them. Uh, you, you know, uh, we, we need to do what's best for this person. And that's kind of bail worship, too. Baal worship was, hey, what's what's best? What, what's going to get us ahead financially? And Asheroth really was the female consort and what's interesting about Ash, well, you know, I'm not getting into Ashroth right now, that's way off topic. Go <laughs> ahead back to you, Matt. <laughs>
0: Word. Um, oh dear. Um but no, the, the the various gods that the Israelites worshiped instead of God or perhaps uh with God, I think really do reflect a lot of that um greed and ultimately selfishness. Yeah. And it it's interesting because if you then look at all of these warnings that God says, you know, I am to be first. I am God alone. I mean that 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 really starts off the the Ten Commandments, and it's um, the beginning of that very important passage in Deuteronomy called the Shema. Uh, I the Lord, um, I the Lord am your God. I am one that that whole passage is it it does come to selfishness and thinking we know better and that's something we can all relate to because we're all human. You know
1: what I think too? And I I think really America is a free place and I love that about America. But one of the subtle lies of the devil is follow your heart, follow your dreams. And what's interesting about the profession you were I and Matt, at least this is the way we should be. <coughs> the Bible says not that we can't make money. People get confused about that. There's no sin for a pastor to make money. If if uh, it's okay to be a doctor to make money, the Bible says, "Isn't your spiritual health worth something?" You know, it says that in First Corinthians nine and First Timothy five for clarity for those at home. But here is, excuse me, sorry. Here is the deal: the Bible says a pastor should not be greedy of filthy lucre. And you know what's interesting in our culture is the idea is I'll get a good job so I can make a lot of money. And well. It's not a sin to get promoted. It's not a sin to become, quote unquote, successful. I mean, um, but the problem is the Bible says, be content with such things as you have. So I think the idea is, why do we want to make lots of money? Why do we want these things? Do we want people to recognize us as either a good author, a good uh, poet, a good singer? Do we want the pride of life? Do we want more possessions so our lives are more comfortable? Or are we content with what we have are we content with where God's put us, whether that's a position of prominence, whether that's a position, a low position? And, and I think that what drives America, like you say, Baal is the idea that it we have a choice. Are we going to do things God's way, uh, humbly accepting whatever his will is? Or are we going to chase what we want for the hope that we will fill in the blank, get more possessions, become more successful, whatever, whatever it might be? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not this is dead air folks if you want me to keep talking man i certainly will i just (laughs) no no i i
0: I wasn't sure if i had lost oh i'm sorry
1: um
0: no 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 and i think that's all important that uh however we think of the events going on in our our current climate and and certainly i i think sometimes we only think about these things when when things are this desperate but if the, the, there is other things that have happened recently within at least my lifetime that I think of Of that that's scary. Is God's hand in this? Is it someone else's hand that we should always be in a constant state, especially as Christians of 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 prayerful reflection of our relationship with God? How are we doing? Our, uh, how how is our prayer life? How is our? Bible reading, because those are very crucial. How is our fellowship with other believers? Um, Because it's real easy when we're not fellowshipping with other believers and just self-reflecting to miss a whole lot. Um, Or sometimes on the converse be uh, more critical of ourselves than we should be. Uh, and so that fellowshipping of like-minded believers, I think, is
1: really important. Oh, yeah. No, it's the Church of Jesus. He invented the church. Uh, it's, it's very important. You know what's funny is before this whole COVID-19 came down, uh, the Lord had been moving in my heart for, I don't know, uh, maybe up to two months, maybe a little more than that. Off and on, the Lord would say, you know you really need to pray and fast and seek my face. And I want you to understand, I think there's a lot of misconceptions. And again, this isn't even mad, it's aimed at the, the listener. A lot of misconceptions about fasting. Some people seem to think that fasting is giving up something you really love. Like, I'll give up meat or I'll give up something and I'll get a spiritual benefit from it. Uh, biblically speaking, fasting is generally setting aside some time to focus on God to the point where you are not eating. And if you're too busy for that, Daniel did what... He kind of just ate uh, just what he needed to survive, didn't need anything rich because he couldn't take time out of his schedule. Well, here's the bottom line. I didn't feel like I could take time out of my schedule, and I kept telling the Lord, well, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I, You know, just give me a a second. And then COVID-19 hits. Uh, My coaching job right now is on total hold. School system shut down. Uh, Subbing's gone, you know, for right now. Um, I suddenly have a lot of time on my hands. And so I spent some time before the Lord this week. And the Lord was like, "Now wasn't that good? Why couldn't you have done that before? Why did it have to take this? You know, I'm a pastor. Mm -hmm. I am paid to be a minister. I can move my schedule around. I have some freedom. I don't have to sub every day. And the Lord was like, really? It took me literally shutting down your world for you to spend serious time with me. Not just a few minutes now. Some serious time with me. The Lord's like, it shouldn't have taken this to do that. It shouldn't have. And he's right. It shouldn't have. And I told the Lord, because see, the scariest say, of course, I was praying for deliverance. And I, I hope believers are. But here's the point. Is that what if God delivers this in five minutes? I know the world can't comprehend that. So the world, you know, uh, that stuff doesn't happen. I mean, the Lord can. I, I remember, um, what was it? Uh, Elisha. The king comes in and Elijah says, Don't worry about it. Tomorrow, uh things are gonna be fine. And the guy's like, the what was it? The the guy the king rested on or whatever was like, You're out of your mind, basically. And the prophet's like, Well, you'll see it, you won't get to eat anything. will the guy gets trampled the gate, you know? It's like our world doesn't right. respect the power of God. If God wants to end COVID 19 tomorrow morning, he will do so. If he doesn't, it will stay as long as he wants. If he wants to make it more virulent, he'll make it more virulent. He doesn't, you know. He can do anything he wants, and I think in modern America, we have forgotten that we don't see him as the omnipotent God. We see him as, yeah, he might be able to help the doctor out, help me out, you know. Maybe, maybe he could kind of help me out in that job interview a little bit, or maybe he could kind of get me a few clicks on my whatever. You know, it's like, no, he is infinite, he is he made the universe in seven days, and that's really six with one day off. I mean, he's got this, you know. God's like, you have no idea right. how powerful I am. So I guess my challenge is uh, to our listeners that I don't know if you're saved or not. If you're not saved, what it means is have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? And I'm not talking about praying a prayer at some point and never having done anything else with it. Are you? Is Jesus your shepherd? Uh, you won't be perfect, but are you reading the Bible? Are you trying to follow him? Not to get you to heaven, but because he's in your heart and life. Bible says we need to accept Christ as our Savior. His blood needs to wash away our sins. That's a, a one-time event. Uh, John 3 talks about being born again. Uh, if you've done that, is Jesus really your shepherd? Or are you kind of just doing what you want to and kind of showing up at church when you feel like it? Kind of reading the Bible on your own time and kind of guiding your own life. Um, man, if she, by the way, what, what do you think, Matt? Uh, well, that's
0: a whole lot um, But I, I think you are right The, the idea of um, It's amazing what we let Distract us because Even if we're honest um, We might say well You know I'm doing this and this and this And this and this and that's all true But how many of us sit And binge watch a show Oh on absolutely Netflix Oh or-
1: you are so right You are so right Matt I mean I look at Yeah. I mean, guilty as charged. I'm not sitting here in judgment of others. Guilty as charged. And and we're not saying it's a sin to watch a show on Netflix, but I want to tell you something. If you're in the Lord's presence a lot, I don't think you're going to be as likely to spend all the rest of your time in pleasure. I mean, you, you will spend some time probably doing something fun with your family or by your own, Mm -hmm. but I really think, and the funny thing too, is you can be very busy doing the Lord's work. Like I'm an Awana leader. I, you know, I, I'm a pastor. I do release time. I do these things. I, I, Matt and I both work in Christian camp ministry. That's all wonderful. That has nothing to do with having a relationship with God. You, You know, and I'm not even talking about salvation. I'm just talking about walking with God and talking with him and obeying him and being with him. You can be all sorts of busy. And not have the power of God in your life and not even really be with him. Kind of carnally going about doing the Lord's work. And I mean, it's not that you don't love the Lord. Sure, you do. But you're so busy that it's kind of like Martha. I am so much like Martha sometimes running all over the place. So busy. And I'm so mad at Mary because I view Mary as not getting the job done. I just want to share one story and then we probably should let you bring it home and wrap this beast up. But yeah, yeah. So at camp ministry, I used to work at a camp named the Boys Gym Club of America long ago. And a man was vulnerable and honest enough. And he's a great guy. He's a lot like a traditional guy of like yesteryear, but a really, I don't know, just both very godly aspects. So when I think of a man, sometimes I think of this gentleman. And, um, and he was the camp director, great godly man. And he noticed, though, there's a lot of work to do in Christian ministry. And he noticed the assistant director would often leave at like 10 o'clock or so. And he, in his heart, he began to judge him. He was like, man, we've got all this work to do and you're always cutting out early. What he didn't realize was that that man was getting up early in the morning to seek God's face for a good amount of time, which I think we'd all met as believers is more valuable than getting that last form done for the shipping or, you know, uh, you, you know th- there's always going to be work to uh-huh. do. There's always something in the ministry I could be doing, (laughs) you know, whether it be visiting, cleaning the church, uh, planning a ministry, getting something ready, a teaching material ready there. I could all I could I could literally do something every hour of every day, you know, and I still wouldn't get it all done. But I I think his transparency, God convicted him and he realized that he had judged this other man because the other man was like, Mary. And the camp director was a little more like Martha, so busy about doing the Lord's work. Mm -hmm. He wasn't really spending, I mean, he was having his devotions. Don't get me wrong, but let's face it, guys, Matt's right. We'll spend an hour or two watching Netflix or reading articles online or listening to YouTube personalities or whatever you find it, the golf course, whatever it is you do. And yet we'll spend like, what, five minutes reading the Bible, maybe 10. Now, I'm not talking about sermon prep for Matt and me. Because I don't know about you, Matt. I view sermon prep as very different from personal devotion time. I don't view that as the same thing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, and so, and yet we're like, I had devotions today. Like we did some monumental thing. Man, we probably spent like five or 10 minutes, maybe 15. And that's if we were focused on what we were doing the entire time. I don't know about you, but my mind wanders sometimes. And I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um.
0: Well, I mean that that's a lot of good stuff there. Unfortunately, we, we weren't planning on having this too much longer. So I am going to have to wrap it up and we've just barely. Yeah. We had uh, so much more
1: material. Hokey Pete.
0: Um, We'll have to, I don't know, think about maybe doing another one I of think these so. think but... I think
1: so. It, it, do, do this. Yeah. I, this sounds so secular. Leave a comment there. But, but seriously, look, we don't have a Patreon mm-hmm. here. Matt and I don't have – we don't have some dream about becoming this national podcast, you know, where people can drink from our wisdom. We, we literally did this to minister to believers in our area. And, hey, if it helps you too in your different area, praise God, give us some feedback. Did you like it? Mm-hmm. Uh, what'd you like, what didn't you like? Right. Cause we're just trying to bless you. If Matt and I wanted to, we could just fellowship with each other on our own, not trying to be mean, but we could do that, you know, and we enjoy doing that too. So,
0: mm. um, so I'm going to, uh, leave with these real quick few thoughts and then I'm going to ask Adrian to pray, but I, I think it's important as, as we reflect upon everything we reflected upon to, um, Throughout this downtime that some of you guys have, and if some of you don't have quite the same amount of downtime, try and seek it out. But ju- just take some time to pray oh, yeah. to yeah. the Lord, um, to, to pray not only about um, your personal situations, mm. but pray for the 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 health and welfare of those yes. around you, of healthcare yes. workers. Pray for yes. your leaders, and both help. sides
1: help. of the aisle, <laughs> commanded. Um,
0: right. Um. I I, I think uh, pray for uh, strength. Yes. Uh, there's something to be said about prayers of confession. Yes. Uh, that was something I I wanted to get into, but we'll have to talk about that later. Another but, time. Um, yeah, but but prayers of confession uh, of things and 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 guidance. Yeah. And there, oh. these are things you should typically yeah, be praying, but especially during this time. Um, and I think with prayer, it's always important to uh, combine that with the Word at times, because that's really the the I think primary way that God talks to us, um, and and. So uh, just take some time, even if like Adrian, it seems kind of a forced fasting or something, but take some time to be purposeful about it. All right. I'm going to go ahead and ask Adrian to close us up with a word of prayer.
1: All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time that Matt and I have had to, Share with people, Lord, just a little bit of what you've shown us, Lord. And there's so much more, Father, as you know. But, Father, really the basic thoughts that we shared, Father, are are things that other pastors have shared too, Lord. and, and, And those are good things. And to be honest with you, Lord, what Sunday school teachers taught us when we were like five years old, if people were saved at that point, about going to church, reading the Bible, praying. These are very basic things. And yet, Lord, like the people of Israel, they may be extremely basic things, but we uh, (laughs) we just tend to fill our lives with our own needs, desires, dreams, goals. And we seem to be very have very little interest sometimes in letting you be our shepherd, because I I think ultimately we don't trust you. And I think that's where we we think if we don't run our own lives, we're not going to be as uh, we're going to have big need issues Uh, We're going to have to live like a pauper. Uh, We're going to be miserable. Uh, You know, we're not going to be happy. And and those things are just not true. So, Father, I just pray that you would help people today to take aside some time, Lord. I mean, if we can't in a crisis that, I mean, who knows what's going to happen here? If we can't seek your face in a crisis, Lord, when when are we going to (laughs) seek you? In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Well, I hope you guys enjoyed listening, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, get another chance to talk to you. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Biblio Scola. We hope you continue to express the desire to know more of God and His Word. Please leave a comment if you have any questions on the discussion in this episode. Our desire is to educate, and not sow confusion. This is a production of the Prattsburgh Baptist Church and the Austinburg Baptist Church. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.